As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jack from the Horrible Movie Podcast. Each week, producer Phil, a guest, and I watch a horrible theater-released movie. We record our conversation, and then we tear that movie to shreds. We keep it family-friendly, so gather the family around the old smartphone, laptop, or tablet and join in on the fun. Just like all the great Studio DNA podcasts, find the Horrible Movie Podcast at Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts can be found. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Safe Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that has watched more flicks this week than a teacher at a preschool during Nose Picker Appreciation Week, it's Sif Pop. You got through that entire thing without stumbling over any of those words. That was a, that was a good tongue twister that's right a, there. That's a lot of flicks you're going to be watching. Yeah. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. <laughs> I'm Aaron Dicer, and he's my lovely and always incandescent co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Aw, thank you. And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, Andrew, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? <laughs> doing fine. Oh, what a crazy you, you week. you got to be exhausted. You have to be exhausted. I am very tired. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the kind of the usual stuff of life and holiday season and all that, of course, it is screener season and was my nomination week and that is when everything that hasn't been available is finally available and uh yeah i think i told you 21 movies 22 is what you said yeah 22 movies since we last recorded yeah sif pop so um three (laughs) (laughs) well well done yeah congratulations uh so we're gonna be chatting about a bunch of those movies today we're calling it the cram session yeah uh and this may become an annual thing just kind of that because you know honestly it's interesting the the release schedule kind of goes down for a couple weeks here in December. It's like award stuff comes out, and then there's a couple weeks where there's nothing, and then it's the final push of award stuff. You know, yeah. like then you've got you know into the Spider Verse, Mary Poppins Returns, Vice, and you know you've got all these movies coming out towards the end of December. But here for a couple weeks, there's yeah. not really anything. I think the big one this week would have been Vox Lux or however you say the Natalie That's, Portman movie. I mean, it's not even. 
showing locally. Is it maybe it's at the Alamo? Maybe I should check it. I sh- I mean I saw that. That might be one of the ones we talk about during cram session. Who knows? Oh, um, but uh, but anyhow, and I guess I should say that's the other part of today's episode. Some of the ones that I did watch during cram session, I will not be talking about. For instance, Vice, Mary Poppins Returns, the, because we'll probably do episodes on those when they're out in sure. theaters, right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't necessarily want to kind of spoil that thing. Uh, also, there's still a little bit of embargo on some of that stuff, too. So I can only say so much um, before their embargo is up, which is usually a week before release. So um, it is not at the Alamo. Vox Lux? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's... it's Schindler's List is. Yeah, they're doing a re-release on Schindler's List. 25th anniversary or something like that? Something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I just saw? And we, we'll, we'll start here before we get into anything else. I saw that uh, Once Upon a Deadpool, they are <laughs> counting box office from Once Upon a Deadpool for Deadpool 2 box office. Did you see this? So when if you buy a ticket for this publicity stunt, which everybody admits it is, you know, they're... Even they admit that this is a publicity stunt. Uh, you're actually goosing their box office, which is brilliant on their part, and also a little bit infuriating. Like it's just like, how is it infuriating? I don't know. Over, crass market marketing and you know all the over commercialization, all that kind of stuff. I they get a pass for it because it's so on the nose, and they admit to it. But sometimes even admitting to things it doesn't you know absolve you of guilt, in my opinion. Yeah, but technically they're releasing a, an edited version of that movie. That I can get behind. If they were just re-releasing Deadpool 2 as was we saw, then mm-hmm. yeah, I could definitely see. Uh, you're trying to milk well, it. I, but I prefer that. You, you, maybe you're missing what I'm saying. Like, okay, so. the, the amount of money Deadpool 2 made, I think, should be locked in stone. If you were If you release another edit of the movie that's a different movie oh on that front i agree with you know you. what i'm saying i like, thought you were just talking uh over encompassing the entire majority of re-editing a movie and then re-releasing it and just saying it's the same so. well there's a world where and i don't think this will happen but it may be more than most people are thinking but there's a world where once upon a deadpool makes as much or close to as much money as deadpool 2 did because people are curious about it right yeah. Well, then all of a sudden, Deadpool 2 is sitting at, you know, $550, $600 million, and people go, what? Deadpool 2 made $600 million? I'm going, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I don't, you know, who am I to say, right? Yeah. Um. So it's interesting stuff. But I'm just a- wondering if this whole Once Upon a Deadpool thing, and this is not even in the Do We Care session, this is just right. a conversation. It's bonus. It's uh, bonus now. I'm just wondering if this is kind of like a showing to Disney, hey, we can make a PG-13 Deadpool sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, they. I'm. I, I. I bet they talk about that in yeah. the movie. Yeah, I'm, I bet that's brought up because. Uh, oh, help me out. Uh, head head of Marvel right now. Uh, Feige. Yeah, Feige says he loves Deadpool, and then whenever they get Fox is like fully right. finished, it's going to be part. I don't so. know. It man, the future is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what Marvel does. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a great episode. We're looking forward to Cram Session talking about these movies uh, that we've seen here in award season. And uh, also, of course, we'll, we've got a Sif Quest this week that we're excited to get into. Uh, Do We Care um, is coming up quick. And uh, oh, no, we end with, I got them all mixed up. We end with our buried treasure. Yeah, we do. And then we start with Do We Care. Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one, Avengers 
Endgame. Uh-huh. The trailer has dropped. I know we're not really going to talk about that, but this is big news. It really is. No, it's we huge get, news. We get the title of the movie, which was unknown before this. Although widely guessed. Speculated it was yeah. going to have something, you know, in-game, yeah, yeah. final, something like I remember like when that. that picture came out, everybody was saying, oh, it's in-game, because they could see it in the picture. Yeah. Like the E-N-D or whatever. Anyways, yeah. Uh, release date changed, which is also big news. They, they move, move it up again? Uh-huh. And now it's going to be April. They're speculating April 26th. That's not confirmed, but if you go on like IMDb and stuff, it says like expected April 26th, but at the end of the trailer it does say April. Mm. Yeah. Well, it worked for him with uh, with Avengers Infinity War, so... Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to talk too much about the trailer. Uh, what I am going to hit on is what we talked about a couple episodes ago about how um, marketing for this movie was going to be different. Uh, this trailer here is pretty much just your run-of-the-mill teaser. So, yeah. there was nothing Does it unique. feel different to you? N- at all. No, no. Does like, it use footage from the movie itself? Yes. Ah! I was hoping you'd say no, and then I might watch it. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you don't want to watch is it. it all, is it all footage from the movie? Yeah. Oh, well, what makes it different then? See, that's what Aww, I was... Oh, man! Yeah, so that's what I was wanting to talk about, is they, they threw this at us, oh, it's going to be a different style of marketing, you know? This was just a teaser, a regular teaser that you would see for any other Maybe movie. the difference is this is it. Maybe this is all we get. That would be cool. I would love that. Of course, I would love that. I'm not going to watch it anyway, but I'm just saying that would be, I mean, again, how many times do we need to say it? What What do you need to show people to get them excited? Everybody, everybody wants to see this movie. Like, yeah. it's not, I, who who is the trailer for that's going, eh, I'm kind of, I kind of like uh, Avengers. Oh, that trailer looks interesting. <laughs> I, will I s- might go see that Endgame movie. Now, I will say this. Uh, it is a teaser, so they're not giving anything away. All they're saying is, right. like, characters, like, footage from this movie, them recapping what happened. Right. So it's like, Thanos did it. He did it. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much what the it's trailer just, is. It's just Cap. It's just Cap looking at Thor being like, can you believe it? <laughs> Thanos did what he said he was going to do. Yeah. Huh. Well, so, I guess life, at- life carries on for half of us. Uh, so spoilers for Infinity War. Interesting. Um, so in March we're getting Captain Marvel, right? And then the next month we're getting Endgame. Well, you have to believe the end of Captain Marvel is going to play immensely into Endgame, right? Here's what everybody is thinking, but here uh, a prediction, if okay. you will. Uh, can we spoil Infinity War at this point? I just did. So okay. I uh, listen. It, yeah. That is one of those that I can't imagine a human being who, A, cares about pop culture, and B, pays attention to pop culture, not who hasn't, even, who hasn't been spoiled. Yeah. Even if they haven't seen it, you've seen the memes. You know what I mean? Like, at yeah. this point, I don't know how you still aren't in on Infinity War. So, yeah. so, but, if you, but if you don't want to be spoiled, yeah. jump ahead a couple minutes. Here's my prediction, like a little possible thing for the movie. So, uh, the reason why I'm saying this is mainly because of this new release date being so close to Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, the post-credits of Infinity War, we have Nick Fury sending a message to Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, saying, uh, we need you to come save us, you know, it's the whole big thing, and then we're yeah. going to get the Captain Marvel well, movie. All we, all we see is her logo. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this, the Captain Marvel movie takes place like it should be besides First Avenger, chronologically the second movie mm-hmm. uh, because it takes place back in the uh, in 80s or 90s. Something I think it's like the that. 80s. Yeah, because there's like blockbusters and stuff. Around. Yeah. Um, so get to see two-eyed Samuel Jackson. Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, you know, they're building her up to be this super being because she is quite possibly out of all the avengers the most powerful um but then i'm, I'm thinking, excited i'm so excited i'm thinking the post-credit scene they're billing her up to be the savior for endgame she gets dusted that's an interesting thought i think that would be really cool because they keep building her up you know the savior but what if she gets dusted i that's a really interesting thought <laughs> I don't think so. It I, like it's hard for that to because it kind of undermines the the you know sending the beeper message that kind of thing. But that would be interesting. Uh, that's that's fun to think about for sure. I only like it because it's like, oh, okay, you've been teasing this. I, it would not play into expectations, which is what I like when a movie won't just you know give you everything that you expected i'm not gonna lie when infinity war came out i had a pretty good feeling that thanos was actually gonna do it i knew did you yeah mm. i did but what i was i don't think i curious did. about was who who was gonna get you know vaporized i don't th- i don't think i did at all i don't think i ever even considered that really yeah in hindsight maybe maybe i can kind of think no i i really don't think i did though Here's maybe this is why in the comics he actually does it too. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, actually, I haven't read those. Yeah. Um I have a theory, okay, about Endgame. And it all makes sense to me, but theories can be spoilers. So I want to be very careful here. Do you think I should talk about a theory these are all theories so yeah if you but if you get it right it's not like you gave yeah, it away no well it is it is kind of no you're I don't not know. you're giving something away implies that you have knowledge going into well, what and, you're saying and no and these I are ha- just predictions i haven't watched trailers or anything sure. like that either so this is but it just as i put the pieces together especially with the stuff around Chris Evans and kind of how he's talking. And, of course, we know the Russo brothers will lie. They lied about the title. They yeah. said the title was not in the origi- in Infinity War anywhere, that it was not spoken dialogue in Infinity War. Well, it's obviously was spoken by Doctor Strange. Yeah. We're in the end game now. So, um, so we know they'll lie. But there have been a couple things recently where uh, Chris Evans... It just really feels like he's, you know, he's, he's moving on or how powerful it is. Or he, you know, he tweeted something about you guys don't even know recently, you know, about yeah. how, how meaningful it was or all this stuff. And then the Rooster Brothers said, we're not quite sure we're done with Cap. So those two things together, I believe that, that Cap is alive but goes back to his original time. And that's how something happens and he saves things I, the, and I'm almost getting emotional thinking of the Cap and, and Peggy reunion right now like mm-hmm. I it, like it's there could be something really beautiful if you can tie a story around that do you know what I'm saying yeah so I'm wondering if it has something to do with that here because there's gotta be some sort of time travel right or oh, yeah. dimension travel or something yeah well I don't you, know you, oh, the time stone obviously can right do that. sure uh here's another prediction did you notice that all the people that were not dusted in Infinity War are the original Avengers? Correct. Yeah. Like the ones oh, for from sure. the circle? Yeah. So uh, one of them is going to perma-die. I, I believe that too. Yeah. There's um, going to be a perma-death for one My of My guess is Tony Stark. Tony, yeah. But, Tony and 
which is tough because they're really building up the family aspect for him. You know, like she might be pregnant. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I don't know. There. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say. There all right. We some... said enough. We said yeah. enough. We thought enough about it. Just bring me the movie. Yeah. Bring me the movie on a platter. So um, <clears throat> in our uh, Sift quest later, we're going to be talking about uh, who, uh, a possible new host for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now in Do We Care, we're just going to talk about the whole thing that's happening right now so with kevin Kevin hart Hart? yeah okay so kevin hart steps down as the host of the oscars after refusing to apologize again for tweets from several years ago good for you kevin hart these are the uh opinions of me solely i'm not speaking (laughs) these are not the official opinions of sip pop yeah uh i guess neither are mine um i mean fine that like i i i get what you're saying yeah but at the same time boy did he mishandle this like i don't think so i i really do like did you see the video he put out after yeah and i was uh, like good for you i was really happy for him but you don't think he should have like actually apologized he already did that's the thing. He's he said he's right, like, but I'll link videos like no, from I, long, long ago when I I've it. apologized. And I, I get it. But not everybody has seen or heard those apologies. And what does it hurt to say I'm sorry again? Like I will say as, I'm sorry as many times as I need to to someone who feels like I've hurt them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just there's mm-hmm. there's something very and I get it. Like I get the human need for uh, like pushback and stubbornness and like guys like lay off. Like why why do we have to go over this again? But I'm just I try to be the type of person who is is willing to, you know, humble myself and say, okay, I I'm sorry. And I'll say it as much as I need to to let you know if I mess if I messed up or made a mistake. Yeah. I just think it didn't it didn't feel like a very humble approach to kind of what was going on around him. I think we could be in a totally different world where he's still the host if he just showed a little bit of humility, you know, about things that he said before and if he's grown talk about how you've grown and and all that kind of stuff so here's my pushback on that and it's gonna deal a lot with um the social place that we're in right now where everybody's gonna be offended by something you know sure so looking at what Past, happened present in, and future yeah yeah so i think that this is really good precedence that he's trying to set because you look at what happened to james gunn mm-hmm. he apologized a long time ago before he was even part of the guardians of the galaxy for his right. tweets right and you know those got brought up and uh even though He'd apologized for those before he was director. He still got fired for him post. Mm-hmm. And now, same thing with Kevin Hart. Right. He apologized for something it is in the a, past. It seems to be a very similar situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I like yeah. the fact that he's trying to set this precedent of, I've already apologized. And people who keep bringing up stuff from your past that you've already apologized for, it's, as he said in the video, it's just feeding trolls. Because if you keep bowing to the needs of these people who are saying that you need to constantly apologize every single day for stuff that you did in your past, that's it's nonsense. It's it really is utter nonsense to it me. Is, I I get it, and here's here's where I come down on a lot of this stuff. We are each responsible for the actions of one person in this world, right? Yourself, yeah. yourself. Those are the only. I, when I say responsible, I mean can only control the actions of, sure. of one person in this world. Yourself. So if I were the person saying, hey, you said this stuff before, and I know you apologize for it, but I want to hear you apologize again, I don't think that's right. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. But I also want to be the person who, if somebody's doing that, I give them the respect and the humility to go, okay, I'm sorry. 
you want to hear it again? I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like I like, so you have, like for me, I try to place myself on both sides and make the best decision I can make on both sides. If I'm on the other side, um, let's say I was a member of the, you know, um, the Academy, (laughs) I was going to say, uh, the homosexual community. Oh, LGBTQ. I, I, yeah, I always miss a letter, and I like I. I'm always they on eggshells. <laughs> well, I'm always on eggshells about like I don't want to leave anybody out. But yes, uh, that community, and I have and I had seen these tweets from him, and it offended me and hurt me because he was saying he didn't want his son to be this, and you know, um, and and then I saw that he had apologized for it and said he'd grown about it. I would want to be the person who would say, "Cool, I believe you." Let's move on. Let's move forward, right? Yeah. If I'm the person who's made, you know, ignorant statements or statements from a thing I believed before but don't believe now or whatever the case, I would really want to be the kind of person who would apologize as many times as it took. That's all I'm saying. So I think there's a little bit of growth that can happen on either side here. Yeah. So anyhow, I I I think it's fascinating to live in such a fast-moving world where you can announce an Oscar host in a day later – controversy they've you know i hate it i absolutely it's crazy how fast things go yeah in this world drives me banana hammocks is what it does (laughs) but we'll talk about possible future hosts uh, coming up yeah in the sif quest but for now our final do we care yeah breaking my heart netflix they canceled daredevil Oh man, season three was so good. Well, how much research have you have you looked in on this? Because I've heard conflicting things, so I'm wondering if if you like, might be going to the Disney. Well, not only that, but they are pointing fingers at each other. Netflix is pointing to Disney and saying Disney made us do this. They weren't going to let us renew it, and Disney is pointing and saying, you know, Netflix wanted to cancel it. So somewhere in between is the truth. I have a feeling. I mean, listen, Occam's Razor, right? The simplest explanation explanation is usually the right one. Yeah. Um, this is Disney owned content. They're launching a streaming service. They don't want to give their own content to a different streaming service. Yeah. So simplest explanation is it was never going to live on Netflix. You know, like long term. So um, if it comes to Disney Plus, okay, cool. You know, if it doesn't, still cool for Disney because they're like, at least we're not making them you know, a better place, Yeah, you know, kind of thing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing this has more to do. I, I'm guessing this has very little to do with quality and uh, audience. Oh yeah. Uh, why, why don't they just announce that Jessica Jones is canceled? <laughs> just get it over with. That's right. She's the only one left. And you know, even though. <sighs> well, technically Punisher, right? Good call. Yeah. Punisher as well. Cancel him too. <laughs> Cancel them all. Just ruin everything. Daredevil for me was easily the best. Easily the best. Especially this last season, like cemented for I think, me. I think for me it's the most consistently good. Did you watch uh season three? I haven't watched season three yet. Okay. But I've heard good enough things that it, from people that I trust that I can say uh that I probably would like it and if I ever get around to it I'll enjoy it. But um but consistency wise, Daredevil seems to have been the best product on on uh, Netflix Marvel wise. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jones season one is still my favorite season of any of those shows. Yeah. Um, man, season three, maybe still Jessica Jones season one, but by a hair compared to season three, Daredevil in the chat. Somebody says, if I were Netflix, I would have killed off Matt Murdock. (laughs) It's a nice thought, but I think Marvel had creative control of it. I don't think Netflix had actual creative control of the show. I don't think, uh, Disney's listed in the production. Are they, uh, isn't there a Marvel arm? 
that produces that show. I know it's not the same arm as the MCU. I know that it's tied into the MCU. Like Netflix didn't buy the character. There's no way they have creative control. No, no, no. They're not like Sony and Spider-Man. Right, that's what I'm saying. There's no No, way they have creative control of that character. I'm just saying, like, um, what happens in these movies is what happens in the MCU. Like, they even talk about, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the attack on New York and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Interesting stuff. It's going to be an interesting future. I'm excited. I am so curious about Disney Plus. Like, is it just going to, is it going to be one streaming service and then like three different portals of like Marvel, Star Wars and, you know, Pixar and, you know, then other Disney and like, how are they going to run it? I'm very curious about Disney Plus. So it'll be interesting to see. Should have named it the vault. I totally, I totally agree. Disney vault. Disney vault. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. And if you were wondering, well, why didn't the guys talk about the Golden Globes? Uh, It's because they don't matter. No. (laughs) I am so sick of, I I almost tweeted this and I was like, eh, it's a little aggressive and negative, but I'm so sick of like all the podcasts I listen to, all the, you know, new sites I check. They start by saying... The Golden Globes is, consists of a very small group of people, mysterious people who we don't know, uh, who base their votes on you know uh, which celebrities are willing to give them things, and it's a shady organization. You can totally buy your win. You can buy your wins at the Golden Globes, and so it really, it really doesn't matter. It's really not relevant. But here's what we think about the nominations. <laughs> and yeah. It's like you know what? If it's not relevant and it doesn't matter, how about you don't talk about it? Yeah. So we're gonna live that and not talk about the Golden Globes because guess what? They don't matter. And guess what? The Critics' Choice nominations come out Monday. We can talk about those. And they matter. <laughs> That's right. They you do. You can't buy those wins. <laughs> um. Well, you can call me, but uh, but I'll say no. Yeah. I'm. I cannot be bought. You can you can fly me to New York for to see Roma, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna give you any votes. That's how it works. Sure. <laughs> All right, you ready to move on? So you're saying, try, please try and buy my vote. <laughs> no, it's not going to work, but joke. please plot. I was making a joke. <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to do some cram session today. So uh, we are going to talk about all the movies that we have seen. Uh, here recently as we kind of cram for award season, we'll kind of go back and forth. Although maybe you should do one and I'll do three. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably. How's that sound? Yeah. Just because I know I have, like I said, I've seen 22 movies in the last week. So, and again, I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I'm curious uh, about the ones that, that you've kind of been catching up on. So, okay. we'll definitely want to hear those as well. Why don't I start, though, throughout please, a couple Please. I was just about to say, please start because you got to get Have through. I talked about Suspiria at all? How much you hate it. Have I have I mentioned that on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if I talked about that one. Uh, the Old Man and the Gun. You said that it was pretty uh, character-driven. Like, it was a, just really Redford doing his thing. The movie was just okay, I think is what you said. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of love for this movie. And I get it because Robert Redford is a movie star. And he's so fun and engaging and charismatic to watch on screen. But you hate, like, the actual moral version of yeah, the story. Yeah, I, I really... It is one of the hardest things for me in a movie is the, you know, the greatest showman syndrome where it's you know sure it's fun and the songs are great and everything but barnum's a bad dude. barnum was not a great dude and i don't mind you making a movie about somebody who's not a great dude but at least or a great person but at least show me how them not being a great person impacted people and show me them not being a great person and don't try to make me think they're amazing and love them and they're 
this movie you're trying to springtime for hitler it yeah exactly so so yeah it was hard for me to get past that and that yeah uh wildlife you have not talked about that one wildlife is uh jake gyllenhaal and um oh what's her name i just uh K- um, mulligan carrie mulligan is that right Kira mulligan or carrie mulligan i think it's i think it's carrie uh anyways She's great in it. He's great in it. The kid is great in it. Uh, Oxenbaum, I think, is his name. And it's basically the story of these two adults who are going through difficult times in this kid that's caught in the middle. And there's a real interesting theme here about how parents put stuff on kids. And each of the parents are saying, you know, things like, you know, I think you're old enough now to have this conversation about, you know, this kind of thing or whatever. And it's just like, eh, maybe, but... Maybe you could also just be grown-ups and, you know, solve this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's I don't know. It's a fascinating character study on these people and some really good performances. Was it Carrie Mulligan? What, what was it? Oh, you didn't uh, find it's, it? It's, no, it's pulling up. It's just, you know, internets. Uh, let's see. This Wildlife. Al- this, by the way, directed by Paul Dano. I do love me some Paul Dan. Oh, now this movie does sound familiar. Yeah, it is Carrie Mulligan. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and Ed Oxenbaugh, uh, Oxenbold is the the kid. So lots of great stuff here. Definitely worth a watch. It is one of many movies, uh, I tweeted about it today, so I don't feel bad saying it, um, that will not make my top, my favorite 41 of the year, that is still a really good movie. It's, this is one it's of those a good years. Year. It's this a good is just year. A, a really good year. And especially when you're somebody like me who is going to put genre fair and action and cartoons and like I love so many different kinds of movies. They're going to be in my favorites list. You look at a lot of critics lists. You're not going to see Avengers or Incredibles 2 yeah. or those. Well, those are going to be in my top 41. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because I, that's just that's who I am. I love that stuff. I can recognize the faults in it, but I still love to watch it, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, anyhow, I think it's a uh, I think it's one of the several really good movies that's not going to make my list. So, all right, throw out one for you. Uh, I saw First Reformed. Oh, what'd you think? Uh, you were totally right. Ethan Hawke is incredible it's in that amazing. movie. Uh, the movie itself, I think I liked it. <laughs> that is such a perfect response. I think I liked it's, it. It's it's a bit interesting, huh? Here's the thing: it is definitely a performance-driven movie. Sure. If if Ethan Hawke was not as good as he is, you know, given what he does in that movie, I'm not sure I would have liked it. Okay. Uh, having said that, though, it's intriguing and this weird ending I'm still trying to figure out. Right. Uh, hopefully this isn't too spoilerish. Uh, I thought uh, I thought it broke, and then, I, the, then the credits came up. I'm like, oh, so that's how it ended okay and so <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that the dvd broke i'm like oh okay but um, it's kind of more and more movies are doing weird ambiguous endings it almost is a trend these days yeah. it's not like it's never happened before but it seems more than ever this year i think of the favorite is another weird ambiguous ending yeah um there there are just a, a lot of them this year so and, and first reformed is is another one uh yeah it's like I, you're totally right. Uh, earlier in the year, when you said that Ethan Hawke gives one of the his performance is so subtle, but you see so much going on within him. The turmoil, yeah, yeah. and the change, and yeah, him processing things. And it's about you know in, environmental issues, and which I did not expect really. Right, yeah. yeah. 
Um, there's a, a scene early on where the, the crux of the, the plot kind of revolves around uh, that takes place, I think in like a national forest area, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it just, I like, I, I've never felt that destroyed and connected to a moment that, you know, was just so, I don't know. It just, it was just there, yeah. you know? And it was just, I, it's hard to explain without spoiling, but, um, but man, this this movie takes you to some places. Yeah, and those that those final ten minutes are mind blowing. Oh, oh like, yeah, and and just the idea of what's going on in the story and what you're wanting him to do and wanting him not to do and you know wishing for and then what happens and it's just wow yeah yeah it still comes back to me. It's <laughs> it's one of those uh one of those haunting movies. So for sure. Well, for I'm sure. glad I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked his performance even. So good stuff. Um, what you got? All right, let's talk about if Beale Street could talk. Ooh, what'd you think? Um, not gonna make my list. Okay, really good movie. Okay, Barry Jenkins is. I, f- I felt the same way with Moonlight. A lot of really good stuff going on here, but I think he is overly distracted by the beauty of what he's doing, to the detriment of the story. Sometimes, um. I know there are many people who would disagree with me. I get that. I totally get that. But in Moonlight and here as well, there are just many moments where he is being artistic that in a way that is beautiful and striking and powerful, but for me, doesn't take me anywhere in the story new. Doesn't It's not bringing sure. me, the momentum isn't bringing me along. It almost, he almost stops the momentum of the story to build art. Yeah. And and, that, and that's and for some people that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I'm more story driven and so it's like okay, yeah, beautiful, gorgeous. I get it, you know, but where's the character going next? What's happening next, you know? And so sure. and it's non-linear. It's very non-linear which, you know, totally makes sense. I get it. I it wasn't confusing necessarily. It just was a little slow for me at times because he gets so lost in his beautiful art making so and it is beautiful like it's not even i don't think it's beautiful it really is beautiful and he is super talented yeah uh in the performance oh what's her name regina uh i forget her last name in this movie is absolutely astonishing she gives a great performance here in the the width and spectrum of what they're talking about and dealing with here is you know it's deep and meaningful it really is but i just you know i felt like it could have been structured a little better to have the beauty be more at play within the story as opposed to separate. Does that make sense? Totally. So it won't make my end of the year list, but another really good movie that I think is worth checking out. Okay. Cool. That's if Beale Street could talk. Uh, Vice I saw, won't talk about that till later. Mary Poppins Returns I saw, won't talk about that till later. Uh, The favorite, want to hold on that? Probably. Is that out? That's not out yet, right? That doesn't come out white. So let's, let's hold on that a little bit. You want to talk about mid nineties? Yes, please let me know how okay. is that movie. Um, I did not like it. Oh, that's a shame. It it is a shame. Um, it yeah. here's the thing: there are a couple movies this year that suffer from the fact that somebody did it better this year. Okay, uh, Minding the Gap is the better version of skateboarding friends working their way through life. Okay, uh, Jonah Hill is uh, he's doing something interesting here. He is definitely speaking to something that seems very personal. Oh, yeah. 
but I did not find my way into this group of friends who is skateboarding, and it's really about it's really about adolescence and coming of age and that kind of stuff. Uh, I just wasn't able to connect to it on a literal level because I didn't go through it. You know, it's it's definitely not my story, sure, right? Um, and I wasn't really able to connect to it on an empathy level where I felt like. Oh, if this was my story, you know, this is how I'd be feeling. And it just felt very distant. It felt very disconnected from me. And um, I don't know if that's uh, the, it's a very profane movie. So maybe that's part of it. Um, But it's also, you know, these kids don't seem redeemable in any way to me, which is interesting in saying that because Minding the Gap, did you see Minding the Gap? Um, nope. I know that's streaming somewhere. I can't remember if it's Amazon or Hulu. Um, it may be on Hulu. Anyways, Minding the Gap is a documentary. Um, Bing Lu, I think, is the name of the kid. And basically, he took actual video of him and his friends growing up, mm-hmm. you know, skateboarding, that kind of thing, and uh, was able to turn that into a multi year narrative about how they grew up and, you know, that happened that really got introspective about his own life and some issues of domestic abuse and different things within his group and within his own family. And there's a moment where he's interviewing his mom about some of this stuff. And it's some of the most heart wrenching and powerful stuff I've ever seen on screen, but it's real and it's authentic. And like you talk about connecting to a movie like that. I'm not connecting to it. Literally. I didn't go through it, but boy, am I connecting to it empathy wise, right? Mm -hmm. He's putting me in a place where I'm experiencing what he's experiencing. Uh, I'm remembering, you know, things that are similar to that idea of tough conversations with loved ones or whatever. So that's what was missing from mid nineties for me was some point of connection where I could really feel what these characters were feeling or understand what he was trying to say. That's the other part. I'm not sure what he meant with this movie. I feel like he just, you know, he maybe had the right pieces, but, you know, put together the wrong puzzle. I don't know. I gotcha. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's mid 90s. Yeah. Minding the Gap, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's streaming on Hulu. Hulu. I, I thought it was on Hulu. So, yeah. Definitely one worth checking out uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Nice. Uh, want me to go one more before you throw another one out? Sure. All right. I'm going to talk about Stan and Ollie. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. I don't know if there's an embargo on this. Maybe I should be careful. I'm. It comes out later. Uh, in December, um, but I, it's such a small movie. Uh, I'm not sure if it's already in limited release, and if it's already in limited release, then it does you know embargoes off. But sure. um, Stan and Ollie is John C. Riley uh, and Steve Coogan as uh, Laurel and Hardy. So, oh my god, that's so amazing! <laughs> that's all you need. That's all I need. <laughs> Anders in. I love Laurel and Hardy, and thinking of that. Uh, that pairing, you know, John C. Riley. Oh, it's perfect. It is perfect. It is perfect. And what this movie does so well is it it so well encapsulates what's what it means to have a uh, a partnership in celebrity. The idea that people are famous, and when people are famous, weird things happen. And then the complexity of it's two people who are tied together who are famous. Yeah. Um, and that becomes a, can become a very difficult and ugly thing. Uh, and so what this movie has to say about friendship, what it has to say about life, um, you know, all of it takes place towards the, I shouldn't say that. I, there's some from earlier in their career, but it's mostly about the end of their career, that kind of stuff. Um, I found it beautiful, impactful, meaningful. I learned a lot about them. Um, 
and yeah, definite recommend. Oh man, I'm, I'm so stoked. I didn't not even know that movie existed. Yeah, man. Oh, that's good. That's eh, good. Thank you. Do you have any any questions on it or anything? Uh, no, I just want to see it now. <laughs> where can I find it? Yeah, where can I find it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you? What else did you see? I'm gonna throw out a movie that actually it's not one that I got caught up on, but it's one that I saw. Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. Yeah, I have not seen it yet. It is my favorite version of the Jungle Book. You know, I've heard mixed things, but recently I'm hearing more positive than negative. Yeah. This does not surprise me because I really do believe Andy Serkis knows how to tell stories. Yeah. I really think he's a good director. I saw, did you see the the movie he made last year, his first uh, direct uh, directorial debut? Mm-mm. Um, something Breath, I think. I can look it yeah, up. I know what one you're talking about, yeah. It was really good, um, and it didn't get a lot of attention. It was kind of one of those movies that just kind of fell by the wayside, but yeah. I thought it was really good. So I think he can tell stories very well, so it doesn't surprise me that he put something interesting together here. Yeah. How would you say it, it differentiates itself from the other you know, tellings of this story? It is easily the darkest telling of the story. Is that good? Yeah, it works. It really does work. Okay. Because it kind of almost feels real in a sense. I know that sounds, you know weird with you know talking animals and stuff like that right but the way the movie handles it like it feels like oh it's the most tied in like a reality i could get behind as opposed to here oh okay i'll say this so the jungle book that came out last year the disney one yeah um the favreau and, one yeah favreau's uh Actually, Circus has been working on this Jungle Book longer than Favreau worked right, on his. I thought I had heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that you can definitely tell this one. It makes the Favreau one feel more rushed, like as it came came out because you know they just wanted to beat Circus. Right, is kind of what it feels like, and this one feels more cohesive and. Every single thing, there's no excessive scenes like, uh, they just threw this in because, you know, it was in the old cartoon or, ah, right. they threw the, everything has a purpose and everything is used to the max and no, you're never wanting more and you're never, uh, feeling like the movie's like just piling stuff on because you expect it. Yeah. Yeah. No musical bits or anything like that. Interesting. Yeah. I really liked they didn't, it they didn't break for bare necessities in this one nope <laughs> blue is uh terrifying a little bit yeah well you said it was dark so i just assumed if he's a bear yeah yeah it's uh yeah none but they the, talk the animals talk yeah they do talk okay uh christian bale is bagheera uh andy circus himself is blue and uh a couple others uh the kid who plays mowgli he was <clears throat> Is it Rahan, or how do you say his name? He was the young kid in Bad Words, the Jason Bateman movie. I never got around to seeing that. It's a really funny movie, actually. Yeah. But, oh, man. You were, uh, on for your Critics' Choice Awards, you recently had uh, Actors 21 and Younger. Yeah, yeah, He would have won for me after really? seeing this movie. Oh, that great, huh? He kills it. He is so... Of course, you still haven't seen 8th Grade, so... It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to see 8th Grade probably tonight. All right. Yeah. But no, I can't recommend that movie enough. And it's on Netflix, so everybody can watch it. Very cool. Loved it. Loved it. Very nice. Um, Mowgli. Yeah, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. Cool. Um, all right, uh, What They Had what is they the next had. movie I saw. Do you know this one? Uh-uh. All right, so w- this is another one of those movies 
that it probably just at the end of the day is going to just kind of slip under the radar and be forgotten. It's really good. Probably won't make my list uh, when I release my favorite 41. But this is a movie about a family that is dealing with uh, an aging matriarch. And she, Alzheimer's, is getting her. And it's kind of about the battle between one of the children and the dad about put her somewhere where she can be helped versus this is where she belongs with me. Okay. Uh, and them fighting for the second child who has power of attorney and will make that decision. Mm. So kind of like Sophie's choice sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could you could paint a little bit of that. Uh Hillary Swank, Michael Shannon, uh Tyessa uh, Farmiga, I think is her name. Um so but then you've got Blythe Danner as uh, Ruth, who's the matriarch, who's kind of losing her uh, ability, uh, ability to understand what's going on. Um, this is this is powerful stuff. It's it's really good, and it's very heart-wrenching. Um, I don't know that I've ever felt this connected to what that must be like, which I think is saying something very good about the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this idea of really portraying these are the decisions you have to make. Some of the stuff, uh, uh, Robert Forster, who plays the dad, um, some of the stuff he was saying about why she should stay home was so beautiful and so moving. And um, in general, my instinct and response is get somebody help, you know, and put them in an environment where they can have help. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm listening to him going, maybe this is the best place she can have help. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those movies that really makes you consider... um, what this must be like so yeah i thought it was phenomenal and and wonderful and and definitely worth the watch even even though again it might not make my favorite 41 so but it's called what they had man you you hit all the marks i love michael shannon and i love uh, hillary swank uh i'm looking up to see if uh it's directed by elizabeth chomko i'm trying to see if she's done any other movies that i it's her directorial debut okay mm-hmm. yeah so but you loved it or liked it i, I really really <laughs> liked it okay uh, maybe even close to the the small side of loved it. So, um, but yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, then I also saw Colette, um, which is Kira Knightley's. Um, oh, Col- I thought you said collect at first. No, Colette. Okay. Yeah, Colette. This is a true story of a woman in France, I believe, who was an actress and a novelist. And she wrote these novels that basically, because of politics and the situation her husband took credit for um yeah it's um oh man i, I know who you're i'm trying to remember the actual her name like colette um well she her, had a pin name and then she also had um her real name so sydney gabrielle colette Yes, that sounds correct. Yeah. Anyhow, um, it's a, a great performance, an interesting movie. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I kind of liked it. Uh, there wasn't enough there for me to that kind of taught me something new or said something interesting beyond just the the performances. I thought were were decent. So that's kind of a meh one for me. Okay. There there are a lot of those during award season where it's just like and, and part of it also could just be the volume of stuff that I'm trying to get through and if it doesn't connect it doesn't connect, you know. Yeah. So, um but just wanted to mention that and then bodied 
uh, is another one I saw. This is the Eminem produced YouTube original. Um, There's getting some buzz and it's basically about battle rap in this academic white kid accidentally stumbling into having a talent for, you know, diss raps and being able to use things about people to tear them down during battle rap. It is some of the most inspired, interesting, clever wordplay uh, writing that I have seen in a long, long time. Some of these diss raps are mind-blowingly good. Really? Yeah. Despite the... And this is kind of what the movie's about, too, so it's it's very intentional. Despite the content of what they're saying and how this is an environment where these rappers feel like anything goes, there is no political correctness. There is no, you know, if I'm black, you can be as racist as you want against me because it's a battle rap, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Um, that really deals with the issues of race and the idea that, well, can a white person then be a battle rapper because they're racist and they want freedom to say those things you know like it deals with all these really interesting Hmm. thoughts about you know racism and what is okay and not okay to say and when do you have permission to say things he's basically doing his thesis on the n-word in rap and how it's used and you know there's just a really interesting look at all sides of this angle amidst a very very funny movie this movie is hilarious um, so in some great performances, uh, all around, this is one that's hard to talk about because it's just, it's hard to explain sure. without you sitting down and watching it. It is also one that is very easily one many people will be offended by because of some of the no holds bards things they're saying and the ways that they're saying them. It is an interesting movie about, um, what it means to be a free speech absolutist, you know, and what that looks like in this environment. So fascinating stuff for me i'm i'm a philosophical thinker i love thinking about this stuff uh so it, it kind of had me in that way okay that's well, called bodied yep I, i'm gonna add that to my queue because it sounds like a very fascinating I, and I unique think, movie yeah i think you would definitely find some interesting stuff there and again it's actually getting a little bit of awards buzz too i don't think it'll get any nominations mm-hmm. anywhere but people are definitely mentioning it when you know i just heard a very prominent critic recently had it at number seven and you know on his wow. list for the year so I think people are paying attention to it at least. So, nice. and again, Eminem produced it. It's kind of unofficially another look at his origin story. You know, like if it's you look at Eminem, eight mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a funnier, more satirical eight mile. Yeah, uh, in that way. So, okay, what else have you seen? Beautiful boy. Oh yeah, what'd you think? Uh, actually, I kind of felt a little bit the same as First Reformed. Very character, performance-driven movie. That's the Chalamet one, right? With Steve Carell yeah. and Chalamet? Yeah. Uh, Chalamet is doing great work here. Oh, he's, he's so incredible. proving that he's going to be like the next DiCaprio. He's a talent. He's yeah. definitely a talent. Uh, I still wouldn't put his performance over Sam Elliott's as far as uh, uh, supporting yeah. performances. Right. Steve Carell, uh, surprising seeing him do this type of movie, but he's it, good. I think it works yeah. actually. Um, you could actually feel the the weight that he is trying to carry. You know, with you know the burden of his son being addicted to crystal meth and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the only con I would have is the movie is really a one note movie. Uh, there's no uh it. It doesn't build. It starts in one uh, mind, or it starts in one 
aspect and it ends in that same aspect. There's That's no, a fair point. There's no growth really. Um, I, I'm trying to you know well, teeter it's, around. Well, it's nonlinear as well. It's very nonlinear. Yeah. But in that same aspect, you know, of going back to, like, when he's 12 years old and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, there's no flu- fluid transition from one, from childhood to where he is now, so you never right. understand how right. he got to a place or... But because of the way it's structured, just to push back on this a little bit, because of the way it's structured, some of that stuff, when it cuts to early stuff, is devastating because of how full of life he is. You know, like his smile is so genuine. I just think of that scene where um, I, I don't th- I don't think this is spoil the movie at all. Just to say, but he's having a conversation with his dad, leaning against a car. You know, and they're just they're talking about life. And, oh yeah, and that kind of stuff. And he's just so full of life and funny and cool. And it's like because you started where you've seen how the drugs have affected him, that becomes a devastating thing. You know, so it's. It's an interesting choice, mm-hmm. um, and I think it might work for you. It might not work for you. No. So Don't get me wrong. Really like the movie. I think it landed like, maybe it's in the top 10? I don't know. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But it's, it's up there, yeah. And even though like I say, like I love the new Mowgli movie, that's more along the lines of, I didn't expect it to be good. Right. And it surprised me. Uh, both First Reformed and uh, Beautiful Boy I have higher than Mowgli but you know they're definitely different movies. So uh, they sent me a beautiful package that had both of the books that this movie is based on. Because the, the movie, fathers and the sons. Yeah, the movie is based on uh, two books that the father and the son wrote yeah. separately. Um, so uh, the father's book is called Beautiful Boy, and the son's book is called Tweaked. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. So they sent both of those. I thought that was that was really sweet. So yeah. Very cool. Man, great performances. Definitely. All around. Um, you want me to go through a couple more? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think we're we're coming up on it. Those are my three, so... So the rest is me? All right, it's all you uh, from here on let's out. Let's do the uh, foreign language film portion okay. of the uh, the conversation. I saw Cold War, which is a Polish film. Um, it's, it kind of shows a romance through the era of the Cold War that Poland was obviously very much a you know part of being close to Russia and... And uh, and kind of how that affected this relationship, the ins and outs of this relationship. This is getting a ton of buzz. It's ending up. I've seen it at number one on a couple of my favorite critics' lists for foreign language or no just movie for- in general. Movies in general. Wow. Uh, I did not have that reaction to it. Okay. I thought it was perfectly serviceable. It's a, a decent film, but my emotional connection to it just wasn't the same. Okay. Just kind of another one of those meh ones for me, which I know is going to hurt some people because I know there are a lot of people who really love this movie, but. Um, but yeah, I don't, and I promise it's not reading subtitles. I like reading, reading subtitles is fine. In sure. fact, I turn the subtitles on sometimes when I'm watching a movie in English, um, you know, just to make sure I understand the beauty of the words that are being said uh, and I don't miss them. Uh, all right. The, uh, the next one was called Capernaum. I did like this. I thought this one was really powerful. This follows uh, the story. I think it's in Syria, um, but it's a young boy who's growing up in a situation where it's poverty. Uh, the parents are having too many kids. Uh, he sees his older sister, you know, um, get uh, married off at a very young age. And I'm not going to spoil anything beyond that. Sure. Other other than his reaction to that informs the rest of the movie. There's an incredible uh, amount of stuff here where, man, I just, I don't want to spoil anything, but where he has to do stuff that kids shouldn't have to do. 
And the entire movie, this, oh man, I can't, I can't tell you why I love this movie without spoiling it. So I'm not going to, but I will just say this. Um, this movie ends in a way that is possibly the most weird and strange and devastating combination of hope and despair that I've ever seen. So interesting. <laughs> it's, it's it's very simple for me to tell you what that is, but it is definitely a spoiler to the experience of the show. Sure. So I'm not going to do it, but I I just will say there is. It reminds me a little bit of, except I actually think this overall is a better movie. I know some people would completely disagree. Um, but what was the movie that last year that I thought had the amazing ending? Um, with uh, it was also Timothy Chalamet. Um, Call Me By Your Name, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Call Me By Your Name is a fine movie. I was just kind of mad on it through. And then it has this ending that, spoilers for Call Me By Your Name, because I am going to say this because it's been out a year. Yeah. You haven't seen it. But this ending where, you know, over the credits, he is just staring into the fire and laughing and crying. And you just see all this emotional realization on Timothy Chalamet's face. And it's it's just stuck with me, right? This has a similar kind of idea. The end is just going to stick with you in that way. And it's so simple. Yet so beautiful. So anyhow, that's Capernaum is what that's called. Nice. Uh, and then the other one is Burning. And Burning is getting a ton of uh, awards consideration as Where's well. Where's this one from? This is a Korean film. Okay. And uh, Stephen uh, Yeo, I think is his name, from Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, he is in it, plays an incredible role. Uh, it is a little bit talented Mr. Ripley. Um, hmm. a little bit of a bunch of other things. Uh, overall, it is a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a love story, a uh, little bit of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> okay, probably not that. Anyhow, it. So, is it comedy? No. Oh, okay. There's certainly comedy in it, though. Okay. Um, but no, it's definitely not comedy. This is, I don't like it as much as most of the reviews that I've seen, but I really did enjoy this movie, and I think it has to do with when the mystery kicks in. Before the mystery kicks into this movie, it feels a little drawn out, but the good thing is, once the mystery kicks in, you realize why those scenes were there. Does that make sense? In hindsight, you start to you start to justify what the movie was doing Okay. Uh, in those early scenes. So. I'm just reading the IMDb synopsis, and I'm like... Oh, go ahead. Uh... Jong-Soo bumps into a girl who used to live in the same neighborhood as him yep. who asks him to look after her cat yep. while on a trip to Africa. There you go. That's all they give you? Uh, there's a, It goes on from well, there. Well, that's, yeah. that's all you need. That's all you need. It is. It's, <clears throat> it's definitely one of those movies that reveals itself and is another kind of strange, ambiguous ending movie. So, okay. Um, but anyways, that one's called Burning. So that's kind of the, the foreign language film portion of, our, uh, of my crazy week that was um and then i also saw thoroughbreds finally which i hadn't seen yet what'd you think um i didn't love it i didn't hate it uh, i'm in the exact same boat it's it's very interesting yeah the performances are very interesting and that ending and that ending yeah. is very interesting so there's there's a lot to like there but i'm just i'm not sure i'm not sure all of it together is perfect you know what i mean yeah, um, it's been forever since I've seen it, so I'm trying to, you know, just go back to it. But again, a very performance-heavy movie. Yeah. Very dry movie. Yeah. But I, uh, also, uh, I was, it's one of those movies where 
once the movie starts and you find out the the what the actual movie's about, you want to see it through to the end because you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, speaking of performance-based <laughs> movies, saw Destroyer, which is Nicole Kidman. Um, I don't think that one's out yet, but I think the embargo's probably up on it. I'll just say this. Uh, Nicole Kidman is transformed in this movie, which those are fun sometimes. Like She is giving a, a really amazing performance here and doing good work. It is about uh, her being an undercover cop, the consequences of that, um, and kind of how that impacted her life. You're looking like you just saw something very strange on your phone. Is that Nicole Kidman? <laughs> okay, there's the review of Destroyer in one sentence. <laughs> is, is that Nicole Kidman? Yeah, man. And it's even crazier to see what she does with this performance and to go, oh, I, you, I, I see you, Nicole Kidman. Respect. You know, like she she is truly one of our finest actresses ever. And that she's still being able to do that, do stuff like Pretty Little, you know, Lies. Which is do, what I consider her best performance. You but. know what I'm saying? Oh, she's incredible in it. I'm just I, I like I am continue to be floored by Nicole Kidman. She was a huge uh, crush of mine, you know, as a young movie lover. Oh, sure. Because uh, she's gorgeous. Um, but oh, Sebastian stands in this. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, Destroyer is the name of the movie. It's not great, but she's great. And uh, in the movie, the movie does do something interesting that I'm not going to spoil. So okay. Uh, and then Julia Roberts in Ben is Back is another Lucas Hedges, uh, joint this year. And uh, this one is him playing a drug addict who is coming back home. So there's a little bit of. Beautiful boy in there as well. Ben is back. Beautiful boy. It's just the B movie. Yeah. Uh, all over again. So um, I was curious about this one because you know Julie Roberts and Lucas Hedges. I'm I'm more curious about this. Hopefully you can answer. Is Lucas Hedges going to be around for a while? I think so. Okay. He's 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 a great actor. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I liked him more in. Um, uh, what's the other one he's in this year? Well, he did uh, mid nineties, wasn't he in mid nineties? No, oh, I thought he was. Oh no, the no, older he brother. was. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 he was. You're right. He's the older brother in mid nineties, okay. and then he also did Boy Erased. Okay. Um, this year as well, and I liked him best in Boy Erased. Uh, but he's doing great work. Uh, Julia Roberts is great here. Um, it's just this is this is a this is a good movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is like oh yeah, great work, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I says I'm not gonna at the end of the day give it any awards, and you know, or uh, have Good it on my you. list. But it, but it is. It's not like I just. I, it's not. It's not a bad movie. It's good. Um. And then uh, Private Life. Have you seen this on Netflix? No. So this is a Netflix movie. Paul Giamatti. Um. Uh. Is with uh. What's her name? Why is it slipping my brain? Uh, but this is a very intimate look. Catherine Hahn? Yes, Catherine Hahn. Uh, and this is a very, <laughs> let me emphasize again, very personal and intimate look at what it means to try to have a baby through fertility treatments. Um, it is painfully, awkwardly specific about that world and what... what um, a no-holes bar. Yeah, what parents want to, you know, have to put themselves through to be a parent in that way. Uh, there are some family dynamic stuff with um, with this movie that is 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 really brilliantly played. Um, this is a good movie. This is a really good movie. I'm not sure it'll quite crack into my top forty. My favorite forty one, 
But this is, and again, it's right on Netflix, so it might be something you want to check out. Okay. But that's good stuff right there. And then I think I've just got one more, Andrew. What? What you uh, got? Death of Stalin. Oh, is it as funny as I hope it is? It is hilarious. Good. It is really funny. Steve I've... Buscemi is great. Um, everybody here is great. Uh, I for, uh, One of the guys from Monty Python is in this. I was about to say, it has a very Monty Python look to it. It's not quite that surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely satire. What I lo- What's beautiful about this movie, and one of the many things... By the way, Rupert Friend, I think... Is uh, plays um, Stalin's son and gives a hilarious performance um, here. And then there's some beautiful work. There's so many people doing some really funny, beautiful work. But what I was going to say is mostly these are British actors. Yeah. Doing a true Russian story from the time of Stalin without worrying about doing a Russian accent at all. All. Oh yeah. When, when I watch the trailer, is like, oh, they're all just doing pure British it accents. Is hilarious. It's just like I like. It's just it's so wrong. It's so off, and yet you just buy it, you know. And it adds to the silliness in the ridiculousness of, you know, regimes and dictators and how people, you know, approach, uh, you know, who's next and all that. I just. It, I found it hilarious. Yeah. So, well worth a watch. Good. I'm so glad. Called the death of Stalin. So there you go. Cram session. Yeah. That's a lot, man. I saved one for my uh, buried treasure. <laughs> so <laughs> We're not done yet. So we're not done yet. There's one more left. Uh, before we move on to the rest of the show, though, thank you for your support of what goes on here at Sift Pop. You can go to patreon.com slash Sift Pop, S-I-F-T-P-O-P, to support. Starts at uh, three bucks a month. Comes with some fun perks. We'd love to see you over there. Every podcast episode is in your own personal podcast feed there, including the bonus episodes. Today um, today was a fun bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, so, it was an interesting <laughs> bonus episode. I uh, I gave my opinion on how, we, how uh, Netflix could dominate the streaming game for years to come. Yeah. So if you want to check that out, you can check out the uh, bonus podcast uh, by being a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash siftpop and uh, join up there. Take a look at it there. And thank you so much for doing that. All right. Uh, Sift Quest. Yeah. Every week we like to go on a little bit of a quest that you put us on. You can ask us a question. You can have us solve a debate. Whatever you want to do. This comes from Teresa via email at feedback at siftpop.com. You don't have to talk about the whole controversy if you don't want to, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on who would be the best Oscar host this year. Well, we already talked about the controversy. We, t- we did talk about the controversy. What do you think, Andrew? Who'd, who'd be the best host? Uh, I think Kevin would have been fine. Uh, I really think that uh, Ellen was a great host. Yeah. I like Ellen back. I, I think if you're, if you're going to talk about past hosts, which yeah. we can start there, uh, Ellen's a great choice. Yeah. I think a very possible choice. I, th- I think that might happen. Uh, Ellen's a great choice. I think Jimmy Kimmel's fine. I've enjoyed his stuff. I know they want to move on, but he's. it is such a thankless job. And every year people come away going, yeah, good job, Jimmy. You yeah. know what I mean? They, they may say, well, I didn't like the thing where you, you know, launched food at people at the theater across the street or, you know, different, didn't like this bit or whatever. But for the most part, he keeps it moving. He's a funny dude. You know, he's fine. I, I liked Ellen because it just seemed like it was... It was going, you know, just mm-hmm. go, 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 go. She would do one quick one-liner, no big skits, 
Kimball did a lot of big skits. Like he always had, you know, like two. Yeah. He had way too many Matt Damon skits, and uh, you know, going across the street to the theater stuff like right. that. Us at home, we don't care about that. You know, keep the show going. This show is long enough. It is long enough, but I kind of liked some of that stuff. Uh, I did. Like I, 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 I it's all preferential. It, it is. It's subjective. But like the stuff where they brought people in to the Oscars from like a tour. Do you remember when he did that? Yeah, I thought that was kind of hilarious. It went on for a little too long. It really, yeah. But because um, every single person know. got to say hi to Denzel Washington, I'm just, and- I'm, just, I'm, I'm all for mixing it up. Like that's not the stuff I would cut. Um, I would try to do a better job at like awards efficiency. Um, but I want it to be an entertaining show, right? So you know, keep taking swings. You'll, you'll find something somewhere. Uh, the other former host that I would mention, I don't think it'll ever happen. I say we give Billy Crystal. I one, was just about to say Billy shot. Crystal. Billy Crystal, see what he can do. Yeah, you know, I know he's last generation. I get it. Nobody has ever hosted the show as as well as he has, other than maybe Bob Hope. Yeah, you know, way back in the day. But I mean, he just he people in Hollywood respect him. Mm-hmm. They he owns the audience. He's smooth. He keeps things moving. I would love to give him, you know, kind of one last Oscar hosting charade. Yeah. I think he'd be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, My final pick for previous hosts to come back, I don't think that they got enough appreciation for how great they were, but it was Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin. Oh, interesting. When they hosted, I thought it was the funniest thing. I don't even remember it, man. Really? Yeah. It was, How long ago was that? Oh, uh, it had to be like 2005 or 2006. It's been... When did... Uh, what was that George Clooney movie hit? I can look it up. What What did you like about their, their hosting? Uh, they have that, that smarmy, smart, you know, type of humor. And they always kind of just always twisted the knife and, you know, the whole... Hollywood pretentiousness, you know, yeah. knocking them down a peg. It was 2010, by the way. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, it was real. I, I thought they ago. were great. Interesting. They really, you know, the whole, you know, suave Devonair thing, they just knocked people down a peg, and I really like that about them. Well, you know who that reminds me of in the, as a modern example, and they hosted the Independent Spirit Awards, I think, last year and did this great Mulaney thing. Yeah, Melania and, and Kroll. Yeah. Oh, they'd be great. Yeah. I don't know if they could be get away. one. With a lot of what they say, you know. For Why like, not? You think that crowd is just too too uptight? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I think that that crowd is, thinks, yeah, you can do that for like the Independent Spirit Awards, but this is the Oscars. Yeah. This yeah, is the no. Oscars. Yeah. It's kind of it's interesting because Oscar host is kind of like the president in that it's a job that anybody that would be good at it doesn't want it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, the only people that want to do it are people you don't want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> it feels like. No, no. Because uh, there's just so much risk to it. It's just not worth it. Um, well, let's talk about some people who haven't done it. Did okay. you have any of those? Have Key and Peele done it? No. Okay. I think that'd be great. It's I a think good choice. Key and Peele would kill it. You know who would be amazing to do it? Chappelle. Interesting. I think Chappelle would Well, you be- talk about the uptightness of it, though. I know, but I think that he would get a pass, kind of like uh, Chris Rock got a pass, you know, uh-huh. like because it's. I think that they are m- mainstream enough, as opposed to like Kroll and Mulaney. Like people would expect Chappelle to do what he does, or what Chris Rock. I don't think that enough people know 
Mulaney and Kroll enough to give them the... And I'm not talking about the uh, the audience in the theater. I'm talking about the people at home. Right. Would know... Because, unfortunately, Kroll and Mulaney aren't as big as a draw. Because yeah. I think the host of the Oscars has to be a big enough draw. Yeah, I mean, maybe. So or at least a big draw from, from a part of the possible viewing audience that uh, audience that won't watch the Oscars otherwise. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if they have like their, you know, niche group or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I thought of Tom Hanks, you know, everybody's, you know, he's a favorite guy. uncle. Um, yeah. Right. He, yeah. he has the comedy background. I don't know if he'd want to do it. Um, I, I thought of Will Smith. He's so charming, mm-hmm. you know, and does have the respect of Hollywood. I think, yeah, thought that might be a good choice. You're you're listing a whole bunch of people I really like, and I'm like, oh, I just they might do a bad job, and then I, don't I know, want, right? You're yeah, like, oh, please totally, don't do a bad job. Totally. Uh, what do you think about no one hosting, not having a host? I was gonna say that, but I thought that you might get mad. So no, 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 I'm not getting mad. We're just having a conversation. Just um, get the awards. Go, go, go. Make it in. I I am. I I'd have to see it. To, to know I, my instinct is it wouldn't work my instinct is you need some somebody to be the glue somebody to crack a joke when things are just going because you start to get into the 15 minutes of just straight awards or whatever or something i mean i know you'll still have like in people introducing the different awards that yeah. can be funny or whatever but i feel like you need that that person to i don't know kick things off and be the glue okay but maybe i'm wrong have a host, just don't have people come out and introduce awards. That's because mm. I hate that. That's my least favorite part of the Oscars is that staged, scripted. Mm. I like what you're saying. It would never happen though because that is part of how they, they market get the, the awards. Market, yeah. Um, but I hate it so much. Yeah. It's my least favorite part of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Wayne Brady. That'd be interesting. Somebody that's really good at improv. You know, yeah. like that might be an interesting uh, thing. And then my last one is I actually tweeted this during the Oscars last year. Oh, yeah. During the Oscars uh, last year, I tweeted that we should have Lin-Manuel host and do it all in verse. Holy moly. That would be amazing. Right? I would. I want. I honestly want this to happen. I yeah. want Lin-Manuel to host the Oscars and I want him to write it as a musical. Yeah right i'm done uh, I, there's no other answer that's it <laughs> that's it well good we solved it i'm glad yeah. we figured it out just call us hollywood yeah we know what we're doing all right you want to hit some buried treasure before we head out yeah buddy all right what do you got uh an anime actually okay it's called assassination classroom okay it's uh i i got a funimation uh subscription just getting caught up on all my i love fan, funimation because they english dub everything Mm. so and you know i prefer you know dubbed anime over uh, i'm subbed you're subbed i'm subbed you're dubbed yep uh well then you can go to crunchyroll for all <laughs> that's yours. right that's right yeah. um but this is going to sound like a really weird premise and it's going to sound like it shouldn't work but it does okay so the premise of the show is this sentient hyper intelligent hyper powerful octopus creature has said that in one year, he's going to destroy the Earth. But, he said, I will give you one year to try and kill me before you can. But he's like, 
he can move at the speed of not Mach 20. He has an infinite um, intelligence. Like, he's super intelligent. He said, for that one year, I'm going to teach a school of students. You know, to it's like a, a rundown. Like, these are like, not like a poverty, like inner city school or anything okay. like that. But like, you know, the, the kids that nobody would expect. They're not the smart, super intelligent kids. He says, I'm going to teach them and I'm going to make them the best humans that they can be. The entire time, though, I'm going to have them try and kill me, too. So you have this show where you have kids who are trying to kill their teacher, but at the same time, they really like him because he... um tailors learning for them and it gets not only the kids excited about learning but people watching the show are like oh man if i had a teacher like that granted he's trying to destroy the world right and everything, yeah sure but man he cares about these kids and you're like is he really going to destroy the world <laughs> but trust me the show works it's good nice i really like it very so nice. It, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Imagine a yellow octopus with a smiley face for a head. It's like the it's like the most literal, um, blatant example of monologuing, right? The idea that the villain gives away their plan so yeah. that so that people can stop them. It's a meta show. It is meta because sure. there's even lines like, uh, "This one kid hasn't spoken for like six episodes, like ever," and then. Uh, the first thing he does is he mentions a pretty girl, and one of the other students says, really, your first line in the entire series, and that's what you're going to go with? <laughs> you know, it's it's stuff like that. But I do most, love meta. For most of the part, it's not meta, but they will throw in something like that every now and then. I nice. like the show. Class, or Assassination Classroom. Very nice. Uh, for my buried treasure, I'm going with a movie called Puzzle. Uh, this is another one I caught up in my cram session. Uh, I'm pretty sure very few people have heard of this. I think I have, though. I think um, I'm one of those people. Well, that's maybe maybe it's getting more attention than I thought. It seems to be one of those movies that will be forgotten pretty quickly, but I really liked it. I'd even say I loved this movie. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure everyone will, but this movie um, spoke to me in some really interesting ways. Uh, so this is, uh, Mark Turtletob uh, directing it. Uh, he's only directed one other thing and it didn't go over very well. But he is a great producer. He's he, come up. Yeah. yeah. He's Little definitely. sunshine. Mm -hmm. and... Yes, exactly. Um, but this is doing much better. I think it's doing well on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, like in the 80%, 83% range. Uh, Kelly McDonald is the main uh, woman here who you may know is the voice of Merida yep. from Brave. Uh, I know her mostly from No Country for Old and Men. And No Country for Old Men. Yeah. And also the voice of Merida in Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, she is basically playing this mom in this typical you know, American family that there's trouble in the marriage because they're just kind of an old married couple. I say old, you know, they've been married for several years now and they've got kids that are growing up and that kind of stuff. And then she discovers that she's amazing at putting puzzles together yeah. and she finds a puzzle partner. And then there's kind of the, you know, the idea of, Oh, this person has interested her in a different way than her husband is. And you know, what's she going to do? And yet she's dealing with her religious upbringing and all these things. And I don't know, it just seemed like a very honest look at uh, the very real idea of 
staleness in marriage and why affairs happen and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I found it fascinating and interesting. I find the final choice of this movie to be really smart and meaningful. And it just, it just really connected with me in an interesting way. And then there's the whole metaphor of the puzzle itself. The movie seems to be about the idea that we want our lives to be perfect puzzles where all the pieces just fit perfectly and make this beautiful picture. And real life isn't like that. Real life is, messier and the pieces don't always fit together and you know um i and in the picture isn't always as beautiful as we want it to be and so i just i found it very moving uh very good performances and again i don't know if anybody me is gonna love this movie but i loved this movie and so i wanted you to know about it nice it's called puzzle p-u-z-z-l-e that was an episode cram session man yeah cram session well we made it through (laughs) we crammed you the, you made it through. I yeah. <laughs> I just I was just along for the you know, ride. I didn't get to see everything. That's always going to be the case. Sure. I think right now I'm sitting in about 150 movies for this year. Um, that is where I usually end up somewhere around that 150 mark. That's about perfect for me. I know a lot of people talk about seeing 300 movies a year, that kind of thing. I think I just I'd rather see the right 150 movies than you know, 300 movies where half of them are yeah. pointless. I normally end up r- roughly around like 90 or 100 yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I think that's per- I, I think, listen, seeing 15 movies in a year is fine. You know, like we all have to figure out. I, uh, yeah, which- I don't want people to expect <laughs> the numbers we're throwing out to be the norm. Right. Yeah. For doing what we do, it kind of is the norm. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like there was a there was a time when I saw I got to pick nine movies for the year. that I would go see. And, you know, I called them my nine and I, you know, I usually went to six over the summer and then three, you know, throughout the rest of the year. And I remember what it was like to figure out which I was going to see before they came out on, you know, video. So, um, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's part of the beauty of what we do is the ability to help people, you know, kind of pick and choose and figure out where they want to spend their time and money. So, um, so anyways, mention all that to say, it has been a beautiful year in movies and good year for movies. Excited. We'll have our uh, movie awards coming up very soon. So, um, normally we do, you know, best films like 2018 and stuff like that. We'll do them like next year just so we have enough time to get caught up on everything. Right. So. Yeah. We usually do them uh, in January. Yeah. So that'll probably happen again. And, uh, and yeah, there it is. Woo! A podcast. Huzzahs. Digital ones and zeros representing audio information have been stored. Zero, 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 And zero, sent zero, to you zero, through zero, the miracle one. of Ralph. You didn't know Ralph was in charge of that? No, I, I do now. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Thank you so much for tuning in for Sif Pop and joining us today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. If you want to find out more about other shows on the network, you can follow at Spreaker, uh, spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for coming by. Thanks, buddy. Do some cram session with me. Uh, you can always find Andrew at Flick Freaks on social media. You can find me at Aaron Dicer. Much love, gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and uh, make it possible. Thank you for doing that. By the way, uh, coming soon, 2019, we're still hoping to add video so yep. you can get a little live look into here as we're recording the show. See y'all pretty faces. So be ready for that. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash shiftpop. It starts at three bucks a month. Uh, if you want to connect with us, feel free to drop us an email at feedback at sifpop.com. You can leave comments wherever you listen to the podcast as well. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it. And that listening is much easier than remembering where one movie ends and the next one begins. 
<laughs> which I cannot do anymore. Uh, no, no spoiler chat this week for anything. Uh, we'll be back next week probably to talk about Spider-Verse. Probably. And Mortal Engines, maybe? Or The Mule? I don't know. It depends. All three of those, I think, are coming out next week. They so are. definitely Spider-Verse, and then we'll let you know what the second one is at some point. But thanks for tuning in. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.